sauce, pasta, pasta, pasta poutine. This is the poutine. Fries, cheese curds, and chicken gravy. This is the poutine. Hi, everyone. It's your host, Nina, from Pass the Poutine Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have my friend Andy from university on the show. Hey, Andy, what's up? Hey, uh, not much. How's it going, everybody? (laughs) 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 Yeah, this is gonna this is gonna be an awkward podcast. I can already tell just from the just from the get go. Yeah, no, no, it's gonna be fine. Andy, I love I, it's it's great that you're you're still the same person um yeah yeah so yeah. uh i always like when i don't talk about you like when i was telling some of my friends i was gonna record with you they're like oh how yeah. do you know him and i always refer to you as like my old roommate even though we never yeah. lived together but it felt like you were my <laughs> old roommate you know what i mean <laughs> yeah because i was always around yeah that's it's kind of how it works um yeah. for those well, that don't know mm-hmm, oh, do you on. want me to explain or yeah, yeah. please please <laughs> okay so i think what happened was I was living with three other guys in the summer at SFU on this like ghetto townhouse. And yeah. what happened was I moved out and then you took my place. So I yeah. started commuting to school. And then from there, every time I went, I would just go to the house and just hang out and you would be there. You just happened to be there. So we just kind of chill out. Well, I, I, I yeah. also live. I live there, Andy. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would just you yeah, you know, yeah, I, I would it. just ran, I would just randomly walk to your house and like sleep on the couch and stuff. So yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember we had we had such an open door policy. We never locked the doors. Like even my friend Margaret would be over all the time. It was just like random oh, yeah. people would show up in the living room. It was great. It's kind of been like a thing on the show where um, I like to compare like Vancouver and Alberta or Vancouver and like. Ontario or Toronto and Andy, yeah. I know you're originally from Waterloo yeah okay so <laughs> yeah. shall I compare shall we compare yeah. Let, okay, okay so first um you're born and raised in Ontario yeah so um for those that don't know I was born and raised in Ontario I grew up specifically in Waterloo Ontario so it's about an hour out from Toronto I would say and um, I lived there until I was 16. And then from there, I moved to Richmond, Richmond, BC. And I've lived here on and off. Well, I've mostly lived in Richmond from age 16 to I'm 29 now. So about 13 years. Yeah. Dang. So so let's compare yeah. uh, Vancouver and Waterloo. Like, yeah. uh, what, what were some big differences you noticed when you first moved here? Oh, okay. Like, I think the most obvious one is just <laughs> the demographics, like the number of Asian people that live in. Well, I live in Richmond specifically. So uh, the like sheer number of Asian people that live in Richmond compared to Waterloo is just like, it's totally different. I'd say like um, where I grew up, I was probably the only Chinese person in my class. Oh my for, God. Yeah, yeah. For quite a while, I'd say... And then if, and then like, as we got closer towards middle and high school, like my best friend, he's, who's also Chinese, he'd be in like my class once in a while. So it'd be like, there'd be maybe one or two of us in, um, in a class. And then like in the whole school, there'd just be like one or two Asian kids in every grade. But yeah, there was not a lot of like, um, Chinese speaking people, Asian people in uh, Waterloo. And then Richmond, they're just, it's like 70% or 50% Chinese which is uh yeah yeah especially when i came to high school in richmond it was like 
<laughs> every single per- it felt it felt like every single person in my school at least in my classes were were chinese and mm-hmm. yeah it was like a and people like spoke mandarin in and cantonese in our like classes like conversationally which definitely did not happen a lot in ontario yeah <laughs> unless unless you just came from china like or you right. just moved over from china which would make a little bit more sense but yeah yeah it's kind of that's kind of the biggest difference there are that, like a lot of smaller ones too but yeah no that that's hilarious I, yeah because like talking to you it just sounds like you you speak like a like a like a white white guy can i say that a white guy yeah sure <laughs> yeah. no no you For totally sure. sound like a like a bro like a frat bro uh, when you speak. <laughs> and then it's like when you yeah. tell people you're from richmond everyone's like what the fuck because people from richmond born and raised in richmond they have a bit of like a cbc accent when they speak do you know what i'm talking about Oh, yeah, for sure. I think if you grew up in Richmond, uh, the odds of you like growing up speaking Chinese. Um, so like most of your friends, your family, friends, like people mm-hmm. outside of your family, that's way higher than than if you lived in Waterloo. Like growing up in Waterloo, I think I had maybe my best friend, like who people who I saw daily that were Chinese, like mm-hmm. um, that I played with when I was really young, like almost just my best friend. And I'd say like, uh, other than that, not too many people. Like we'd have, we had like a circle of Chinese families that we would gather with um, just to kind of stay connected with all the other Chinese families, which was great. Um, awesome. Yeah, and it was kind of like in Waterloo, we would hang out with all the other Chinese people because just literally because they <laughs> we, we because all they were Chinese. The same. <laughs> They, yeah, because they could all speak Mandarin and stuff. So like, yeah, I knew yeah. I knew a lot of Chinese people in Waterloo, and we kind of had that connection. But just like day to day, I day to day, most of my friends were like white. Um, and then like there'd be occasional friend from like you know Pakistan or like I'd I had like um, I remember my my very uh, growing up like my next door neighbor. He was a he was a black kid, and his name was Michael as well. So like it was a there were a lot of people of kind of other ethnicities and I think they all had their little circles too. Like mm-hmm. if you were, if you're Indian or you're from Pakistan, like you knew all the other people from India or from Pakistan in Waterloo, just cause it was, it was like kind of everybody, most people there were white and then you just, you would stick out for sure. Dang. So how yeah. did it feel like being the token Asian kid in Waterloo to being literally the majority moving to Richmond? Uh, it's a little different for sure because uh, in a way it was actually kind of nice in Waterloo because um, if you were like Chinese you would stick you kind of your family would kind of stick with like all these other families and you get to know each other and like I grew up knowing the same uh, group of kids from like age one to like age 16 and even now we still keep in touch from here and there and every time they're in Vancouver we try and meet up and hang out so it was kind of tight-knit whereas like here everybody's like Chinese. So. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of hard to know like 200,000 people. So, I mean, there's I feel like there's not really that the same sense of community that I had when I was growing up, but that could just be me. Like that was I'd say the biggest difference cuz like over here I'm just like an, another fish in the ocean whereas like, you know, when you go into Waterloo it's like a just like a small small pond of people and yeah like you all know who each other are that was the kind of the cool part yeah Yeah. no that that's that's awesome that's kind of funny like you 
uh, the smaller the Chinese population, the closer you were. But here, it's just like because there's so many, then you you yeah. lose that sense of connection with the Chinese community. Right, right. It, it is a little weird, but that I would say that's definitely kind of how it felt for sure. Anytime we would like,、uh, there'd be another Chinese person in Waterloo, like,、uh, and, and this person kind of I didn't really know who it was. <laughs> Like、yeah. I would, we would ask each other who we knew, and be like, "Oh yeah, I know that guy." And, oh yeah, I know that guy. And we kind of like, we kind of build connections that way. And then we'd have so many friends in common, we'd end up seeing each other like so much that you'd eventually make like new friends pretty quickly. Yeah, it's pretty funny.、Uh, what what other differences have you noticed between Vancouver and Ontario?、Uh, there's always the obvious ones, like the weather, and then I'd say、It's、housing、better. as well. Housing as well, like,、um, and then I'd say another big thing.、Um, this is just again related more to like the Asian aspect is people that were in Waterloo specifically were more. I there are like some very wealthy people that live in Richmond, but I'd say like、um, predominantly like the Chinese people in Waterloo that I grew up with were kind of more. I'd say. Like upper middle class, like they everybody kind of had a white collar job in、mm-hmm. Waterloo. If you're Chinese and you kind of moved there, because、mm-hmm. Waterloo's more of like a tech town. That's where、uh, they founded BlackBerry. Like they have offices for Google now and stuff like that. It's、wow. it's really has a reputation. Yeah, so Waterloo is really like a tech city. And my dad worked at the university, and、um, a lot of the people I I kind of hung around and grew up with they. Most of their parents kind of、um, they started small, but they all had kind of advanced degrees. They worked in like technology, things like that. So I think everybody kind of had humble beginnings, especially when I was a little bit younger. And then as I grew up, everybody started like accumulating wealth, like becoming you know just becoming more and more affluent. Which is、um, and over here, I'd say it's like in Richmond, everybody kind of does a little bit of everything. So. I wouldn't say like、um, everybody here is like upper middle class or anything like that. Like you have here people here who are very very wealthy, and then you have people who are like who have been here for generations. Like you have a bit more of a mix. Whereas in Waterloo, I'd say most of us, like people like me,、um, we're all kind of second generation. Where our parents were the first people to come over. There was like I don't think there was too much of like. Um, Chinese families that had established themselves there for like hundreds of years, you know. Yeah, that, that yeah, that seems to be like a common theme with a lot of newcomers or immigrants to Canada. Like a lot of us are second、yeah. generation, and yeah, it, yeah. it's be interesting because like people like us, like our age now, when we have kids,、mm-hmm. those kids are、mm-hmm. going to be third generation. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I remember like in my elementary school, I was the only person that spoke Chinese. <laughs> oh、so、uh, they, there was another, there was another,、uh, there was another、um, guy who just his family, I, I think, just moved over from China,、mm-hmm. and they, they were, we were going on a skating trip, and so they weren't sure if this guy from China knew how to skate, so they asked me to translate for them, like,、oh. and ask him if he could, <laughs> if he could, if he knew how to skate, if he was all good, or if he wanted to stay home and stuff,、oh、like,、God. because he only spoke Mandarin. For a little while, so、oh、I was helping them translate. I definitely, yeah, that, like、um, that's how few, yeah. Whereas in like Richmond, yeah, that's literally you can find a ch- that's such a、um, like 
kids of immigrant job is like translating shit yeah. to our parents and our parents friend <laughs> like all the yeah. fucking time <laughs> it was for it was for the school though i remember it was like a couple <laughs> teachers or like guidance counselors or what or, or whatever and they were asking me to to help him out yeah yes. and i was kind of like eight years old and they were there were i thought it was no big deal at the time but right. they were also amazed like that's so funny i think they're also amazed that i could speak like a second language <laughs> 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 you know yeah no totally. yeah yeah they probably thought it was like amazing but i don't know maybe some of them spoke french but yeah they thought it was they definitely would look at me and the fact that I spoke Mandarin and they'd be like, whoa, this guy's like from a very far away land. <laughs> this foreigner. Yeah. The foreigner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so Andy, like earlier in the episode, we were talking about how uh, how we know each other and um, yeah. our, our ex-roommates. Um, I know. Yeah. yeah. So when I was in university, I lived in a house with three guys, which is what I'm used to growing up. I have three brothers. <laughs> and it was really, yeah. really great, actually. I tried living with a female yeah. roommate and it, it didn't it didn't work out and then i ended up living in like the perfect townhouse with three guys that all worked out <laughs> like all of you guys worked out yeah. it, i just remember living yeah. there and there being like giant bottles of protein protein powder like literally <laughs> yeah, sounds about all, right all yeah. over the house like i think at least like there were at least five to ten giant things of protein powder just like on the stairways in the yeah. halls in the bathroom. gold standard like gold standard way right you guys are Just, i was like Whoa. yeah and tubs yeah <laughs> yeah tubs. yeah or like the bags and oh stuff yeah was, from back hilarious. in the day yeah yeah you guys were so fun so um i knew you guys were like very into fitness and mm -hmm. uh and I, w I was wondering like how, how did you get into fitness in your life oh okay so that's uh, pretty easy so when i um so when I moved over from Waterloo to Richmond, <laughs> there was not a lot going on in my life, especially because I moved at an awkward age where yeah. I'm kind of like 16. Yep. So in 11th grade, I feel like everybody basically has their own like friend groups established. Totally fair. Totally. So it, I, I did I didn't make a couple friends, but we weren't we weren't super close by any means. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so to kind of fill the void, I had like nothing to do. Yeah. And I remember, so I watched Fight Club, the movie, <laughs> when I was 16. I saw Brad Pitt, and I was like, holy fuck, this guy's so shredded. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I'll just work out. I'm going to work out in, like, in all my, I have so much spare time right now. I'm just going to fucking work out so I can, like, I can work, look like Brad Pitt, you know? I love I just it. wanted to be, like, shredded like him. Yeah, back in the day when I was, like, 16. So like ever since I don't then. think I don't think it really worked out, but <laughs> I'm I'm glad I I'm still glad I'm I'm still glad I watched the movie. Who knows what path I'd be on if I if I hadn't. That's wow. Yeah. So so Fight Club changed your life. Yeah, exactly. I know. You're such a stereotypical yeah, it's just boy. Such a, yeah, I know. I like <laughs> I watched. <laughs> I just I just watched. I just saw. I remember his like shirt came off, and I was like, holy. I feel like that's the first time I'd like ever checked out another man and been like, oh man, his abs are so beautiful and stuff. You You're know? like, he's so hot. I need to look like he's him. He's so hot. Yeah. I need to look like him. Yeah. Bang. Then I get to like, yeah, then I'll get to like bang all the women and, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, remember, I remember you were super popular with the girls. <laughs> Hell no. Yeah. None of that. None of that worked out. But oh my God. hey, I mean. 
hey yeah your your girlfriend right now is great i met her one time <laughs> yeah she's the cutest yeah oh yeah ever. you did yeah no she's yep. great i still remember um yeah yeah so okay so that that I, I love that story. I, I didn't think it would go that direction. I thought it'd be like very like deep, but actually, I, I really, <laughs> I really liked that it was Fight Club. And since then, yeah. you haven't lost your passion for fitness, and yeah. now you have actually opened your own gym. Yeah. So oh, just to add on that, like oh, yeah. I don't know why that was such a pivotal moment for me, but like from that point onwards, I remember like every movie where I I watched it, like I would. And a, a dude took his shirt off. I'd totally judge him, and then I'd just be like, "How?" <laughs> I'd be like, be like, "Oh man, this guy looks good," <laughs> or like, "Oh man, this guy doesn't look good," or I'd be like, "How does this guy stack up against Brad Pitt?" You know, Brad Pitt is the it's just gold, like one of those standard. weird. Yeah, I think he's the gold standard. I don't think I'll ever live up to like what Brad Pitt did. He just he just changed the game for me. I don't care like. I don't care what you say about anybody else and like how good they look like it might be true but I feel like Brad Pitt was a he was like the game changer. He's the he's the one true bay. Um, yeah, he's uh, the one true bay. <laughs> of your life. <laughs> <laughs> and then comes your girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh totally. God. Yeah, so so like oh I I forgot what you studied in in university. What did you study? Oh, uh, I was in environmental science, and then I was in geography. Okay, and then yeah. now you um, opened a gym, which is like to yeah. totally related, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <So> it's like... <laughs> no, it's super unrelated. So, um, yeah. So for those who don't know, I own a a gym called Sea Level Athletics. It's a CrossFit gym. Suit not to be a CrossFit gym to due to all this like crazy drama we can get <laughs> into a little bit later but yeah basically um yeah we do crossfit at the gym and um yeah like so for those of you who don't know what crossfit is it's basically just a combination of weightlifting and then body weight movements and endurance stuff and you you basically just do it at a, a rate where your heart rates where your heart rates up you're not reading a megs kind of deal okay yeah yeah no awesome mm -hmm. so like i was gonna ask because it's not surprised like when i heard that you opened a gym i was like okay like i'm not surprised because i always knew you were like super into fitness um but i was surprised yeah. to see that it was crossfit specifically like how did you get into crossfit okay so i'm gonna bring it back a little bit totally so okay. when i was at so when i was when i was hanging out with uh, your room yeah those like three dudes we we're mostly like just lifting in the gym, lifting weights, like doing our power lifting thing. Complimenting each other's at arms. SFU. Yep. Yeah, totally. <laughs> just like horsing around, and not doing, not doing a lot of studying, which we probably should have. You been, guys are but... just at the gym all the time, <laughs> literally all yeah. the time. Yeah, I know. I feel like we just, we just paid our tuition so we could have access guys, to the gym. I don't know how any of you graduated. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So. Anyways, I graduated and then I went to uh, graduate school and it was in Queens University. Oh, wait, so, so again, you went back to Ontario? Yeah, I was in Kingston, Ontario for, for I'd say, just about a year. Yeah, Okay. okay. that's right. Yeah. So graduated from SFU, went to Kingston, Ontario, went to Queens University. And then I, I was kind of just uh, training at the school gym. But then um, I'd seen that they they'd a couple of students had opened this gym called CrossFit Queen Street. Um, it's now Queen Street Fitness, kind of the same situation as mine. But anyways, back in the day, it was CrossFit Queen Street. And 
it was actually a super, super nice gym. Mm -hmm. And I think when I had joined, they had literally just opened. So their membership fees were very, very cheap. And so I, I joined their gym and I was mainly there just to kind of do my own lifting on the side. But then like, I kind of did the classes and I was like, man, this is kind of fun. So (laughs) I soon just like joined in on, uh, did all the CrossFit classes, got super sucked into it, like um, really loved the training. And then they had an amazing community too. Like just um, like I met a ton of students. I was, I kind of like, I really liked the owners and I love the classes and I, I hung out with like a ton of people there as well. So yeah, that's how I got into it. And from there I was just hooked. Yep. So, so when you were training there, did you think like, man, like this is, this is something I want to do for the rest of my life. Like I want to like own a CrossFit gym. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I, when I was training there, I thought, oh, Hey, this would be, this would definitely be like a cool thing to do for like a career. Cause I I'd seen everything had seemed so nice, like back in the day. So (laughs) yeah, I I was a little naive, but I was like, whoa, this is awesome. Like I totally love to own a gym and have a great community around me. And then like thinking just to like all the good times I've had ever um, when I was in kind of British Columbia and back there, I it mostly revolved around like the gym and the communities that I kind of built around mm-hmm. the gym. So, so kind of it, it would be I I always thought it'd be awesome if I could somehow do that too, just build my own community and just hang out with everyone and you know yeah no, no. you know keep kind of keep the ball rolling so that that did like pass through my mind the entire time I was there for sure no that's awesome that's yeah. yeah no I, mm-hmm. I think that's great and um of mm-hmm. course like you know on my podcast I always talk about like Asian Canadian identity um how did your right. Asian parents feel about you wanting to open a gym like has were they supportive because I know your dad is a university professor and your sister I remember yeah. is a doctor yeah so that's <laughs> all true my dad is a He's a he's a professor. He works at UBC, and um, I don't know. At first, they were they didn't really. I don't know. They've always kind of liked and not disliked me working out. Uh, I think a little bit more just because they're like, oh, it's distracting you from your studies, mm-hmm. like your career and all that kind of stuff at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, <laughs> I I think they were. Um, so I think they were less supportive of it when I had. Well, a little bit less supportive of it when I had like uh, dropped out of graduate school from Queens and just like come home. Mm-hmm. But I really didn't see a future for me in the field of geography. So I kind of I just left and went back home to kind of lay low and figure things out. And and I think they had always kind of thought that working out had something to do with it, which it which to be fully honest, it definitely did. But mm-hmm. um, I don't think they were super against it either like they i don't at no point where they like hey you need to stop exercising and just like get your shit together (laughs) (laughs) you know i think they were uh, i think they were like i think they're more like hey maybe you should like take it easy and like uh, prioritize in school as well and all this other stuff but they they were never super against it as well i should make that clear they were they were always pretty supportive i would say like um as well so I think it made them uncomfortable that I liked it so much. I think that would be the best way to put it because I think they wanted one thing for me. And then, um, yeah, I kind of wanted to go in another direction. Mm -hmm. So it definitely made them like a little bit nervous. And even now I'm pretty sure it still makes them a little bit nervous, (laughs) but yeah, yeah. I think, um, 
No, they they've always supported me, and they've really helped me out when I when I actually um, really need it. When I actually really needed it, and they're they're like heavily involved in helping me get this thing off the ground too. Like they're fully involved in in this gym as well, Damn, the one that dude. I'm running. You got like so, the best so, parents. <laughs> yeah yeah so i can't fault them like like uh yeah they're they're very very supportive yeah, overall they sound yeah, great yeah fantastic yeah no no they're they're awesome they're <laughs> they're the best i can i honestly couldn't ask for any more oh like they they've they've helped me out a ton this for so sure cheesy andy <laughs> yeah so so like like i i always say like when people come here and they like they thank me for like hooking them up or whatever i try and help people out at at the gym too and like if i hook them up with something or or they're like just grateful for for coming in and for the good workout i i'm like oh you should thank my parents because they're the ones that help that help me start the gym (laughs) and in a way i say it jokingly but like deep down it's definitely true that's not even like (laughs) that's not a joke the the it's probably true like without my parents it wouldn't be feasible especially at this at this like time you're, yeah, this is so wholesome. I uh, I can't even. So yeah, yeah. So so let's get into it because um, what when did you open your gym? Oh, uh, so my gym opened last year, September of 2019. Okay. Um, so not not too long ago. It's been less than a year. And then how was the business going? And then I wanted to ask like, what has happened because you know since this great quote unquote pandemic hit Correct. the entire world, oh, yeah. all gyms shut oh. down, and I wanted to get into that. Okay, so actually, like all the relevant, uh, what day is it today? Like it's June seventeenth, twenty twenty, and actually, the crazy thing is like everything that's gone on in the world so far, or I'd say at least in the states, has really affected the gym. So, mm-hmm. um, business before the whole pandemic started, early twenty twenty, it was actually kind of slow. So. When I had opened, I wasn't getting too many inquiries. I I was kind of just getting my feet off the ground. Yeah. And I remember going to coronavirus. I had kind of built some momentum. So I finally had like people coming in regularly throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of when the, the shutdown hit. So at the time, it was pretty devastating because I was like, holy fuck, how am I going to like financially recover from this, you know? <laughs> Quoting Tiger King, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, pretty much because the, the gym's shut down and you you have no idea when it's gonna re reopen. Actually, right. you know what? I yeah. I technically didn't have to shut down the gym crazily enough. What? What do you mean? At Why? the time, technically. So because we live in BC and I my gym is in Richmond, mm-hmm. British Columbia. So I think I'm covered by the Vancouver Coastal Health Authority. And they never um, like put out an order for all gyms to close. Oh. <laughs> so if you owned a gym, you could have operated this entire time, even like at during peak, peak coronavirus, yeah. if you were covered by Vancouver Coastal Health. Because I think like the way it works right now is um, like bylaw officers, they can enforce rules put out by the health authority. So mm-hmm. if you're in... Um, like if you're in New West or Burnaby or Surrey, like, um, and you're covered by Fraser Health, they actually all got ordered to shut down. Okay. But in my city, they they never ordered us to shut down. We just did it kind of voluntarily, <laughs> crazily enough. Interesting. Like, so te- 
Yeah, there's actually one gym in Richmond that stayed open the whole time. Was it? And it was called packed? like because it was the only um, gym. I, I think it. I think it was pretty busy. Yes. Right. Yes, yeah. I think it was pretty busy, and it was called World Champion Club in Richmond. They Sh stayed open the entire time. <laughs> Shout out to the World Champion <laughs> Club getting all the business, monopolizing the entire industry <laughs> yeah, in Richmond. Yeah, it's kind of Jesus. Yeah, there's news stories on it. It's kind of hilarious That's to be honest. So but yes, oh, even like that. when everyone's scared to death of coronavirus and like an outbreak happening. They were they were open the entire time. Yeah. So I just closed voluntarily until um, I would say late May. Yeah, uh, I just started to open up a little bit. And it, it was more like a friend I knew here and a friend I knew there. And then, um, yeah, from there, I just kind of fully opened um, back up for business uh, by June. So if you're if you weren't ordered to close your gym, can I ask why you decided to make that decision? Well, um, I think like it just made sense at the beginning because, oh, man, I this was like the week the NBA shut down and so many other gyms like you just look around you and you see so many other gyms shutting down so many other businesses closing like restaurants were ordered to close. And like I remember at that point, coronavirus cases were going up quite quite quickly. Mm -hmm. So or, or it seemed like they were about to hit really hard. So. I mean, I didn't want to get the virus. I didn't want to give my parents the virus, you know, like um, mm. it was it was kind of scary at the moment. Like I, I, I thought that we were looking at like a scenario where a, a pretty big proportion of the population actually gets sick. So mm -hmm. um, at that point, I think it really did just make sense to close. I mean, it yeah. wasn't like, yeah, someone had to force me to. It seemed like the obvious the obvious choice it was, at the uh, moment. yeah it was a, a good decision uh based on the yeah. information uh yeah that we going on yeah and i think it was honestly for the best too like mm. if everybody had stayed open that and like we went on business as usual it probably would be yeah <laughs> things would probably not be so good at the moment yeah, yeah. We, we we really flattened the curve thank you andy that was really generous of yeah you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. You're welcome, world. You're welcome. I'm just, you know, just here saving the world yeah, with my CrossFit gym. Yeah. But I'm just being humble. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. So I, I just wanted to get into your emotions a little bit um, when yeah. COVID happened because, yeah, like you said earlier, you said when that whole thing hit, it was devastating. You know, you just started this business. Um, what, what were the thoughts yeah. going through your mind? Holy smokes. So it was very scary at first, but mm -hmm. at the same time, it was kind of relieving as well because, man, so I run like at the time I was in the gym seven days a week running classes and I was like, um, oh I was working at six. Yeah, I was working at 6 a.m. to about 7, 7, 7.30 p.m. or oh something like that. I was just and I would I could like leave in the afternoon, but I'd usually just work out. And then I don't know, I it never really I never really felt like leaving going home for a couple hours and have to having to come back and never really felt like it made a lot of sense so mm -hmm. i was just uh i was working really hard and then so once the coronavirus hit like i could sleep in which was really nice <laughs> i'm not gonna <laughs> lie <laughs> you know like i'd have 10 a.m sleep-ins so i'd be like man this is the life but oh, yeah. um <laughs> just oh yeah the no the no money coming in the like mm -hmm. it kind of like not having not feeling like a sense of purpose and like I was, I was programming and doing like home workouts and that kind of stuff that most gyms were, but it wasn't as fulfilling either. Like I, 
I really kind of miss working and all that kind of stuff. And this is just from the very, very beginning. But it was, it was good in a way because it really helped me take a step back, you know, uh, recharge the batteries, kind of reevaluate what was going well at the gym and what wasn't and what I could add and what I could take away. Mm -hmm. And then on the training side as well, like physically, I, I think I was just, I don't know, I just wasn't sleeping well, wasn't recovering well when I was training and like, just being able to take a lot of time off, it, it felt great from that perspective too. Just like physically, I was sleeping much better, like mm -hmm. eating much better, all, all this kind of stuff. So I think in that respect, it was actually very good. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. um, so a bit of a mixed bag for sure. Yeah. But the no money part was very hard. That was like the scariest part. Well, that, yeah. well, yeah, that's what I wanted to ask because like you just started this and like, did, yeah. was there ever a time where you're just like, oh my God, maybe this is like the beginning of the end because like, I'm not getting any cash flow. Right. And and I don't know yeah. when, when I will get cash flow. So did that thought yeah. ever enter your mind? No, not really. Because when I had started out, I had planned basically for like a worst case scenario, if nobody joins the gym, I'll still... I, I still had enough so that I would be like, I'd be okay, even if I had a year where like nobody joined the nice. gym. So okay. from that point, I from that perspective, I knew I could survive. But still, it was really hard. Just like it was there was a lot of uncertainty. And I think that's what scared me kind of the most. I, I was in a for I, I was a lot more fortunate than most small business owners were I'd say for sure yeah no 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 that's awesome yeah. to hear so um how are you feeling mm -hmm. about phase two like now that you got the gym open again people are going to restaurants like, <laughs> how are you feeling that, the, that yeah. the economy is picking up oh yeah um well for me it's been really good um <laughs> I should <laughs> this is it's kind of a bad thing to say but um like I've gotten a lot more people coming in through the gym I just a lot because I think a lot of other gyms have been closing Oh, okay. Right. So that's like one. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, the old saying, it's just like half of winning is just showing up. Yeah. So I think a lot of people, a lot of people, once the shutdown happened, um, they kind of used it as their reason to close up shop. Like, um, like a couple CrossFit gyms in the area. And um, what else am I thinking? Like Steve Nash, that, that was the big one. Steve Nash Fitness World. Mm. Um, they went bankrupt. So I, and a couple of local gyms in Richmond as well, um, which is a little bit unfortunate because I know some of the owners, but a lot of their people started coming to my gym. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, it just, I think people being out of the, out of gyms for so long, like there's a lot of built up demand. Totally. And like once, I think once people could start going again, they, people started looking around and I think, um, that's I got really I had a lot of new people yeah That's awesome. coming in and checking it out so now I'm I'm actually much much busier than I was before this whole COVID thing happened no, like Andy, that's great to hear. I'm like super happy yeah. for you. Yeah, like because I, yeah. I was gonna <laughs> yeah. ask because I know yeah, it's actually kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I was gonna ask because mm -hmm. I know like during the quote unquote gym shutdown and all of that, like yeah. people have been mm -hmm. trying to, um, book like Zoom appointments with their their gym, uh, coach yeah. or trainer. Um, what what yeah. was that like trying to train someone oh. through a a, a, a camera? <laughs> Oh, a Zoom call? It, it was, for me, some people, some people are pretty natural at it, I would say. But for me, it was a little bit more difficult. Um, 
<laughs> I feel like I just like to be there when people are working out. Like, so I can just, uh, I don't know. It's so I can demonstrate in person and stuff. And I feel like you have to have, like, looking at somebody through a tiny screen is a little bit different, difficult to mm -hmm. just like um, train. It's hard to train people properly. And again, if people are at home, uh, you're a little bit more limited in what you can do. Not to say that you can't give people a good workout at home um, through like a home workout, but um, the reason I like buy weights and machines and all this stuff and put it in the gym is because it's a little bit more effective if you have access to all of that versus just like what you have at home. So it's, right. it's tough to kind of go back to it's not tough to kind of go back to training people in their houses, but um, yeah, like you can make do. I, I was kind of just making do. I, I wouldn't say I was really thriving if I'm being honest here. I was just kind of going through the motions and, um, and I was, the big thing was I was just trying to lend people the stuff that I thought that would be useful to them. <laughs> so that was like the other, the other huge component was actually just trying to, trying to lend stuff to people and this was all for free, but uh, uh, for mostly for free. Yeah. And it was like, uh, Lend people like stuff? I had, I, yeah. So I have like, I have a lot of fitness. I have a lot of like workout equipment in my, uh, in my gym. And during the shutdown, like <laughs> this is the other big, the big reason why I got more busy was tons of like people I hadn't seen or heard from in years mm -hmm. were messaging me and asking me to borrow stuff. And I was pretty generous. So I think I'd lent, I'd say 80% to 90% of the stuff I had in the gym out to Oh my god. <laughs> out to my friends. Yeah. What, what, yeah, what, so what kind a of lot equipment are we talking about here? Are we talking about like tread Oh, like, like literal literally everything. Like oh um my, like and this stuff became very valuable like on Craigslist during during the time we were shut was down. Was it like, your stuff that was on Craigslist? <laughs> like are your friends scamming you? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Like they could have just like they could have sold it and bought it, rebought it like later on and <laughs> pocketed the difference. But like, oh my god, no, like um, I lend people barbells, plates, you know, like um, we have these like assault bikes. They're pretty horrible when you like ride them. But yeah, we I lent people those assault rowers, bikes, yeah, dumbbells. Dang. Dumbbells were big. Dumbbells, dumbbells those dumbbells, were like yeah. the, those are worth their weight in gold during like the pandemic for totally, sure. And then. Yeah. Yeah, just like all sorts of stuff. Like um, basically whatever I could feasibly lend people, I did. So yeah. um, so since you've lent out like most of your stuff and now phase two is starting, you've opened your gym. Like, have you gotten your stuff back? Yeah, I'd say 99% of it. There's a okay. little bit of stuff awesome. like <laughs> I drove it out. I drove it out. Some stuff out to like my friends who live downtown who don't have a car. So like. You're so I gotta nice. go pick it oh up. My God. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go pick that stuff back up. And like, I'm so lazy. I don't want to do it. So You're some so... of it's just <laughs> collecting dust on my like friends' houses. But yeah, uh... I, I, it's it's all gonna make its way back eventually. Awesome. So yeah, I haven't lost anything. Awesome. Yeah. No, that's great. And um, yeah, I think that's the thing though. I built up like a lot of good faith among my friends and a bunch of other people. And I think like just by being generous. I think that was like the real opportunity coronavirus presented itself too. Like um I could I feel like I could be a little bit more generous than other like gym owners. Mm -hmm. And then I think that really built up some goodwill like uh amongst the people who had already come to the gym and then people who are thinking about coming to the gym and like people who had known me from the past and mm -hmm. I think like um yeah that 
and then once kind of everything opened up again and things things reset people were a little bit more willing to adjust their routines if that was like going to a new gym if they're kind of on the fence yeah about coming to come trying me my gym out I think that's kind of a big factor in kind of convincing people that hey like this guy's cool maybe we should go try out his gym so yeah I think like yeah I think like in a way the coronavirus really was like and even even when everything shut down I did kind of think of it that way if I'm being honest here is like well I should be a little bit more generous because this could be an opportunity to like you know I like it. show people that I'm a good dude yeah yeah, yeah pretty you're, much you're, so. you're a businessman <laughs> so I try <laughs> so I tried to help I, I I tried to help people out basically as much as I feasibly could and then because yeah yeah wow I so, just so like, like I thought I thought when we reopened people could be yeah people could look at that and like look at it look upon me more favorably because I know definitely. like other gyms were lending stuff out too but um like some places are definitely charging like an arm and a leg for, um, for like a few dumbbells and stuff like that like mm-hmm. you could be paying like 100 bucks a month to rent a couple of dumbbells and oh wow things like that <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, people got pretty desperate so I think if if you lent people things for free that looked really good on you so yeah. so like let's say in April if I like hit you up like hey Andy can I uh, borrow like two two five pound uh, a pair of five pound a pair of ten pound dumbbells would you have yeah. lent them to me yeah exactly oh that's what i would like i should have picked you up <laughs> that's li- damn it those are those that was those are like literally the messages i'd received like every day for <laughs> for two months like just re- instagram messenger just i think once the word kind of got out that i was doing it for people like yeah. my inbox blew up there'd always be three oh or my- four messages every oh day asking God. me like hey do you still have this? Do you still have that? And then if I did, I'd be like, yeah, I'd just show up to the gym and I'll, I'll hook you up. Oh my yep. God. You're like a saint, Andy. I'm, yeah, I know. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I'm a man. I'm a man of the people. I'm a man of. <laughs> You're superhero. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, not really. And like, yeah, yeah, it's good. I mean, I, all of its stuff, all the stuff made it made its way back to me, mostly intact. So it was, it was, it was good. That's yeah. good. Um, and yeah, do it again. <laughs> uh, I'll hit you up at the next pandemic. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask, um, because of how COVID hit and how it's kind of like changed the gym industry a bit, you know, like now you, like you were just yeah. talking about how when the corn, like when quarantine hit, dumbbells were worth their weight in gold. Um, yeah. How do you think this pandemic uh, will change or has changed the gym industry? And do you mm. think it's for the better or for the worse? Well, I think um, things will definitely change quite a bit. Like, um, I think anybody who, I think more people will become accustomed to working at a home. Yes. I think that'll become a little bit bigger. Um, in terms of gyms, I think the whole, uh, a lot of gyms now have to like socially distance and take all those precautions, you know, like cleaning, cleaning equipment and stuff. And mm-hmm. I think, um, you, you just can't pack people into a gym the same way you could before. And I could see that being a problem for like bigger, because I, my gym is in like an industrial area. It's it's far away from like city center, all that kind of stuff. But if you're in downtown Vancouver, it could be really hard for you because you probably need like a certain number of members per square foot to even like make your rent. Yeah. And if you can't, 
if you can't like pack that many people into a class, I mean, some of them just might think it's not worth it anymore, especially if they're paying a real big premium to go to your gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that could, that could really start to affect some, because right now people, people like the community and I think they're at a goodwill. They'll still pay their memberships, but I think as time wears on and I mean, the goodwill thing gets a little bit old mm-hmm. and people are like, well, I've been spotting you like $200 a month and I'm only coming to like two classes a week. Is it really worth it? And they're, they're like less connected with their community, their gym community, because they're not going as often. Mm-hmm. Then I think that's when, that's when um, it can, I think it could still start. It can, um, even though they're, people are still doing an okay shape. I think over time, these, uh, these things might really start to accumulate these kind of problems. And um, yeah, I'm not sure how, how like there's no easy way to kind of solve it in my mind no that's actually a good um a good point that you brought up i didn't think about that about Mm -hmm. the you need a certain amount of people per square foot like and in a very dense area like like downtown where rent is incredibly high it it's not gonna work out yeah exactly and um there's like a lot of there's a lot of gyms and chains and that kind of like that that kind of do like similar things to what crossfit does in terms of their class structure mm-hmm. and their their price similarly too. crossfit's probably it's not it's not exactly cheap it's you're probably looking at especially in vancouver like maybe a couple hundred dollars a month just mm-hmm. to just to go to the classes and and they need they need that and they need a lot of people kind of paying that um and because the rents are just so high like um like there's orange theory they kind of have their thing and yeah, I, I think they're just, uh, they're probably going to be facing some problems for sure. Just uh, with having to socially distance, like how many people can you fit in each class? Who knows? I could be wrong, though. Maybe they've figured out a, something that I haven't. Yeah, no, no, no. That's no, that's really yeah. interesting insight, Andy. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's uh, that's why you got to treat people well, too, I think, because um if you're kind of a dick to everybody, like while you've been running the gym, but <laughs> they yeah, kind of, they've, they've just been going because they like the workout, but you're kind of a dick and you, but you're like, you were relying on the community model. You weren't like a Steve Nash. You're, you're counting on people like paying a premium to go to your gym. Mm-hmm. I think like once things open and you, you need to like rely on their generosity, it, that's like a, then you're in a very precarious, you can be in a very precarious position for sure. Like um, people can, people can get that up with you. And this could be like the coronavirus could be like the one thing that the one like seismic shift that like changes their mentality, causes them to leave you. And I think that has happened a lot. Well, Dang. no, that, no, that, yeah. yeah, no, that's a really good thing to think about. <laughs> a lot of us forget like, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, cause I, th- I think it's really easy to get caught up in the whole idea that like everyone is out for themselves and no one really yeah, cares about totally. you. But when you're put mm-hmm. into very dire situations, if you've like helped and been <laughs> nice, like people will help you. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you've been yeah. mean, then, then, I mean, you're just going to get what you've been given back. Right. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Totally. I mean, as a society, like as a species, I mean, like humans, we kind of, we have very, very, when you think about it, everybody has like a super specialized job. Mm-hmm. Like nobody's good at everything. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, we have to work together in order to get basically anything done. And if you're a dick and nobody likes you and you get like shunned, then that's a, <laughs> then you're going to have a hard time. And like in, and when times get really rough, like right now during the coronavirus, it's really easy for people to just like, 
look at you and shun if, mm-hmm. if it's easier for people to be like har- harsh and like I don't know I feel like it's just a if you're a dick like uh during when times are good you can get away with it but then like uh when the coronavirus hits and like you really need to rely on other people to mm-hmm. to help you get through like a rough patch mm-hmm. that's when you could be facing some hard times for sure Absolutely. Oh, that was beautiful. Yeah. I, I think this might be yeah. like my most um, wholesome episode, Andy. <laughs> You're so wholesome. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> you know how it is. Um, yeah, you know how it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all right, Andy, thank you so much for coming on my show. This has been fantastic. Yeah. Oh, no, thank you for having me. It was yeah. great. Uh, please plug your, your stuff, plug your gym. How can people find you? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so my gym is Sea Level Athletics. Um, it's in Richmond. You can just follow us on Sea Level Athletics on Instagram. And you can also follow me at Andy CFSL on Instagram as well. And yeah, that's basically it. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Pass the Poutine Podcast. Thank you to my guest, Andy, for coming on. And I will see everyone on the next episode. Bye. Pass, 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 pass. pass the poutine. Pass the poutine.